Barbie Chapter 6. Death Day. Wow. I told you that. I was thinking to be sappy. The morning I put him to sleep. It's two years. Two years. I wish it was two years. It's two weeks ago today. Got up early that morning and, you know, I did the usual, like, give the dog the last meal thing. In this case, I gave him a hamburger. And I didn't want to stuff him. I think, you know, you're supposed to give him, like, you remember I told you this story about him and, like, the magic bowl and all that and the bowl that kept getting full and that's how this dog would eat. I didn't really want to stuff him because I didn't want him to get bloat like he did before and have to go to the emergency room and then have to be put to sleep when I couldn't see him or just in a really agitated, painful condition. And I didn't want him to throw up on the way to the vet in the car. Not because, look, I really could give a shit whether or not my dog would pee or or poo or throw up in my car. I could give a damn. But I just didn't want him to be uncomfortable. I didn't want him to get car sick or anything like that. And then I gave him his, his supplements and his antibiotics just like it was every other day because I thought that maybe he would pick up on the fact that it was a different day. Like, why isn't she giving me that stuff? Damn it. And even in the end, you know, he ate the hamburger, but one thing used to be his favorite is he wouldn't even eat the big shin bones that I have. These huge bones are like a, I don't know, like 12 inches long. I used to uh, fill them with peanut butter and I froze them. He wouldn't even eat those. And he did eat the ground beef because he's probably thinking like, well, fuck it. I'm about to plot. I don't have time for fucking peanut butter. I want meat. But the more stuff he wouldn't eat, I mean, I think the more I just sort of sunk in, you know. And then um, those last couple of hours, Dave was being weird. Like he sort of stayed away. And I said, don't you want to say goodbye to him? Don't you say, want to say goodbye? And he goes, I will, I will, I did. I think he was more, he wanted to face it less than I did. And it was my thing. You know, he's my dog. Dave loved him to death, but he was my dog. So I, I've never seen other people do this kind of stuff, but I'm assuming it's pretty much universal. I mean, I was stroking his ears, ears, which he really liked, and his back. And he had this thing where his, um, his left front leg he always held up for me when I was on his he was on his side and then he loved for me to scratch it and he couldn't it was even hard for him to lay on his side so I just reached under and I scratched his left front leg and then I just I did all this stuff that I knew I could never do again like I smelled his ears and I smelled his paws I always thought that they smelled like popcorn and I think that was when I sort of lost it when I smelled his paws and I smelled the popcorn smell and I just remember all the time we used to have what we called sa- a sesh a sesh is like sort of this love not love fa- I mean you know I would just sit with him where we would just like sit and I'd scratch him and and the last day he was able just to really feebly play this one other game besides that scratch. It's just not a game. I mean, that's where we were. Everything got so downhill that, you know, the games were these little things. And the one little game that he had left that he still could enjoy was I blew in his ear and then he would 
throw one side of his face parallel to the floor and then I stroked the inside of whatever ear it was and he just you know he just loved that he closed his eyes and and it's it's sad but that game became my test for fevers because when he had a high fever he wouldn't do that he was so out of it it was like he was in a semi-coma or something like that and the other last joy that he had I mean it's just the the number of joys that he had just diminished to a point where there was hardly anything left and the other thing that he loved to do that was just it was the only actually it was the only thing left pretty much was that he slept which he did most of the time with his nose to the air cleaner and he just loved the white noise and the fan and it just made him really feel comfortable and um a couple of days after he i he died you know after i did all that busy work I told you that I did as soon as he got home it's like I just cleaned everything so it'd be like he wasn't around or something a couple of days later I sat down by the fan (gasps) this part I okay I knew it would be hard but like I said I didn't want to fucking sappy you know anyway a few days after I did the same thing I put my nose to the air cleaner of the fan and I felt like I could feel him enjoying it again. It was him and with him. And so, um, you know, we drove and I was like singing to him all the way. So, you know, Dave helped me put him in the car and I put blankets just to make him comfortable. And God, I look at this now and it's like, God, I'm so trashed. And I, I get a friggin' Kleenex. I dealt with it so well. How did I deal with it that well? Was I frozen? So the appointment at the vet's was 9.30 in the morning on Monday. And they have you walk through the back door. I guess not only for you, but so that people with living animals that actually aren't going to be killed, you won't flip. They have a blanket on the floor. And I just wanted to get it over with, but I wanted to stay with him forever. Such a mix of feelings. So the vet shot him with Valium first or whatever. I don't know what the hell it is. It's just something to, to calm him down. I guess it's like me. You know, the funny thing is, is that because I've sort of shied away from death all my life I wanted to feel so I didn't take I didn't take any clonop in that day or even which I'm supposed to take every day anti-anxiety I didn't take that stuff because I wanted to feel it not like in a way like a masochist so just that I could see it was real and for the first time in my life not be a pussy and have some fucking balls and deal with death when they say about death with dignity (laughs) death with dignity it's for the person who has to put the animal to sleep as much as it is the animal i'm sorry it's probably like just a turn off you know just 
All right. And then, you know, she said, okay, here's the Valium and he's sort of going to go to sleep and you can not sleep like death sleep, but he's just going to relax and you can hang out with him for as long as you want. And I said, I don't want to, I just want to do this quickly, but just give me a few minutes with him. Wait, I need another damn Kleenex. Why? I didn't, I didn't bring the box because I didn't think I'd cry. Yeah, I know. It's all coming out. It's healthy. Yeah. So and just, I held him and I whispered in his ear one of the songs I used to sing. I made up all these stupid songs. And I've been singing it ever since I had him. When he was a puppy, it's Mommy Loves Harvey. Mommy Loves Harvey Joe. Mommy Loves Harvey. Mommy Loves Harvey Joe. It's just one of those probably hundreds of stupid songs I made up. And, I guess uh, mics don't do well with a Kleenex over them, do they? I guess it's like a filter, maybe. But Arby Joe was one of about 50 names I had for him. It came from that Stones song. You know, I know it's only rock and roll, but I like it. And that was the song. I know it's only Arby Joe, but I love him. And then after a while, oh, sorry. Should I keep pausing this damn thing? How much mucus can anybody who's listening handle here? Um, and then, all right, he was Arby Joe, and then I became Mommy Joe, Dave became Daddy Joe, Jingle became Jingo Joe, my other dog. And I told him what Dave had told him before he left because Dave always said that he didn't want to go because he just was my protector. And I told it to him again, and I whispered in his ear, you're off duty now, buddy. <laughs> because he hung around for me. I know he did. He hung around. He wanted to make sure he was okay. And he needed to be told that he was off duty. That somebody else would take care of me or I could take care of myself. And I just know he wanted to smell me. He always did. It made him feel better. So I made sure, like, my hand was right under his nose the whole time, like I used to do when he would get sick, and I'd put it there so that he could smell me. <sighs> then the vet came in, and she says, are you ready? And I said, yes. And then she took the pink juice, and I know it was the pink juice because... I saw like animal vet or something in the early days of the animal planet. And in that, you know, they put some dog to sleep and they use this like hot, pink, hot psychedelic pink liquid. And they did a lot of it because Arby was big. And there, I guess the reason is, is because nothing else is that color that you're going to use for an animal. And they don't want to make a mistake and put a dog to sleep. So, and she started shooting it in slowly and I was just holding him and I was letting him smell me and I was just watching and just I don't know what the fuck I was feeling and I know animal CPR all right I've taken like advanced animal CPR and all that and I mean uh, first aid I know all the pulse points I know where to put my hand that feels heart but I just couldn't leave my hand there I just had to move my hand from his heart because when she started shooting it up, I just didn't want to feel 
that moment when it came to a stop, when it just, everything came to a stop. So I told her that. I said, you gotta let me know, cause I can't, I can't have my hand, or I can't have my hand, I just, I can't have my hand on this pulsar's heart, I can't. I can't feel that last heartbeat. I wasn't that brave. I wasn't brave enough. Then, then I said, just tell me, when? She said, he's gone. And I know, you know, I've heard that a million times, God. Do I have to cry in every fucking podcast I do? I'm doing something funny next time. Damn it. Damn it. I know this is therapeutic. Okay, great. You want to hear my therapy? I should do this in front of my therapist. Oh, I'm paying. So when she said he's gone, I'd heard that a million times on TV shows and in movies, but I've never heard that for someone I love when I'm with him, when I was right there. I'm sorry, am I supposed to put this thing on pause? I'm trying to sit these away from you. I really didn't think this would happen. So, and then I just, I sat there and she goes, you could take as long as you want. And I couldn't, I wasn't sure. I was just so devastated. And I'm sitting there thinking, was I supposed to feel the joy of being there? Because, oh, I'm here at the moment of release and relief and all that stuff. And doctor left the room. I started keening like a woman at an Irish wake. I don't know if you know what the keeners are, but the keeners are always women who would just, it's this wailing like you wouldn't believe at Irish funerals. And believe me, I could give any of those women a run for their money. I mean, just keening and keening and keening and sobs and just like, it just wouldn't stop. But I knew that I wasn't going to stay there for hours. She goes, oh, you could stay here for hours if you want. Some people do. I knew I wasn't going to do that. I almost choked. It's been a long time since I cried so much. I almost choked. And yes, I know the Heimlich maneuver to do on myself or put myself over a chair or a table. So it wouldn't be like she'd come back, somebody come back and find two of us dead. So then after I did that, I crossed my legs and I did um, what's called a metta, M-E-T-T-A for him. And it's this Buddhist meditation, like a loving kindness meditation. And there's a whole different bunch of different ones, different versions. You know, I don't claim to be a Buddhist. Yes, I meditate. Yes, I've read about Buddhism. Yes, maybe I try to practice some Buddhist stuff, even though it doesn't seem to ever sink in. But the one that I did was the one that I've been doing for him for a while, which is hard for me because I'm basically a very selfish person. And it was weird to do it. The room was like, it's like a McDonald's, you know, it's a, the cold floor and everything's so clinical. And then that, that really bright light. And I crossed my legs, I took breaths, and I kept saying to myself, may you be happy, may you be peaceful, may you be free of suffering, may you be happy, may you be peaceful, may you be free of suffering. And then after all that high-minded shit, I just started crying again and keening again and trying to hold him, and I kept trying to close his eyes. I didn't know this. Their eyes don't close, and I guess it's because they have two or three layers of, of lids. I don't know.
but it's not like a person where you could just close your their eyes like I've seen in movies and stuff like that. But and she said they said when you're ready, just buzz four times and then walk out the door and we'll know. Well, I couldn't leave. And this is weird when I think about it. And this was a vet I've only met twice, even though I've been at going to this uh, vet for many, many years. I've known my vet for 30 years. It wasn't my vet. I know all the women in the reception area. They're just wonderful. They know me very well. But this must have seemed weird. I took a little post-it note and I wrote, Arby and I thank you and we love you very much, Roberta. And at first I was going to put it on the table, but then I put it on the blanket next to his dead body. And I realize now, nobody mentioned it, but it had to be sort of creepy. I don't know why. They, I love you very much. I don't even know this vet. It was such a s stupid thing to say. I, I don't know. I guess I, well, of course it's what I felt at the moment. And I'm supposed to never second guess what I do. Yeah, well, of course I do that, you know. So... I tried to leave and I kept opening and closing the door and coming back five, six, seven, eight times. And then finally I said, you know what, that's it. He's not here anymore. And I gave him some hugs. I said, Arby's not here. See, that's the thing. When they say that somebody's dead and they say they're not there anymore. But it looks so much like them that you make that mistake. You know, people say, oh, it's not them. They're not there anymore. Their soul is wherever the hell somebody believes or in heaven or in some other universe, whatever, but it looks so much like them. You make that mistake. I wanted to scoop them up. I wanted to take them home. I wanted to make them alive again. I just absolutely didn't want to leave them on that floor because I thought then Arby would be upset. Like, how could I leave them? Well, I got out of there, and this was really weird. That I, Since I live on the whole other side of town, I don't know. I guess I was just sort of frozen. And I thought, okay, i got to pick up my glasses at the glasses repair place. And I picked up my glasses, and the guy had two um, schnauzers, and he was a real dog lover. And I just went in there, and I gave him my receipt, and I just, I don't even know this guy. I, I, I pulled this on strangers, and I said, I don't know why I'm telling you this except for the fact that any guy who brings his dogs to work with him is indeed an animal lover, and I know you'd understand. I said, I just got back from putting my dog to sleep, and since you're on the side of town, I want to do it. So he told me his story about how he put his dog to sleep, and, you know, I don't know. It's just, it was weird. So I come home. I did all that cleaning I told you about. I just cleaned everything. I put, like, all the, the, the pee and the, the poo-stained blankets and stuff, you know. I put them up, and I put them in the, in the washer and tried to clean up stuff. Well, later that day, my mom calls, and she goes, Berta, I want to know when Dave is coming east. I go, Ma, I can't talk. I just put Arby down. But wait a minute, I just want to ask you a few questions. If he, is he going? Is he there? Or is he coming back? Well, I totally lost it. I said, I just killed my fucking dog, Mom, and I can't answer stupid questions. I hung up. 
couple of days later, of course, feeling guilty, apologized to my mom. She is a dog lover. We've always had dogs. She turned me on the dog love, the clean kind, of course. But then all she could talk about was one of her dogs she put to sleep 27 years ago and another one that she gave up 52 years ago. And she's not going to change. She's more narcissistic than I am, but, you know, what are you going to do? I pushed Dave to go out of town back east for the first time in eight years to get him out of his inertia. So I'm here at home by myself for eight days. And honestly, at first, I was scared that I would go nuts or something during that time. Bipolar paranoia plus dog dying plus whatever. But you know what? I like being 100% in control of my home environment. I needed the time alone because I'm starting to think more about Arby. And I was, especially as Arby got sicker, I was so focused on him that the time I gave to myself and the time I gave to my other dog, Jingo, was limited. And I've finally been noticing more about Jingo. I mean, you have a different relationship when you have a single dog. I know because I've had two and I've had one. It is different. And it's almost like I'm getting to know her better again. And, and then I've been ignoring her because, not ignoring her, but I mean, I've been focused so much on Arby's health that I realized that just sort of under my eyes, she's become an old lady. She's not my little girl. She's going to be 10 at the end of September. And I'm trying to push away my fear that she's going to die. So now I'm really trying to, to pay more attention to her. But yeah, I have that paranoid, oh, she's going to die now. And I force myself not to take her temperature when I think that she's warm, which is what I would do for Arby all the time, which is sort of fucked up. And But she's a senior dog. She's not geriatric. Senior is old. Geriatric is really, really old. Meanwhile, um, about a week after Arby died, before my husband left to go out of town, um, we've been doing something that we, in the back of our heads, knew that we would wait. I'm sitting here taking, his ashes fell, and they're all over when I when some of the ashes I sealed the little heart-shaped box I put them in and I shook it to see it was sealed it's obviously not they're all over here I don't know if it gives me extra comfort to play with them and look at them and see the crushed bone I don't know it's just odd I'm not scared of it though see I don't think it's creepy I, I don't know once I had a, a, a roommate years ago and I come home and I hear these screams from his bedroom a platonic male roommate well, it turns out that he was tripping and he started going through his mom's ashes and he found her bridge. That was my first experiences with, with ashes and he was flipped. And of course, I had to see it. First time I saw a dead human body was at the funeral of one of Dave's friends. And I just got so close to it and started staring. I was like transfixed. It was like magnetized. He had to literally pull me away or I probably just would have gotten, it, it would have been weird. It would have been macabre. Like the other people would have thought this is too weird. This person has some kind of hang up, like turn on of dead bodies type of thing. So we did the carpet. And I got to tell you, it looks great because he had all his, you know, the pee and the poo and all the stains and the vomit and all that. And 
I feel guilty that my house is cleaner. I feel guilty that I'm free of the burden of taking care of Arby. I realize that it just opens up so much more time in my life that now I have to fill with something. <sighs> now I have to just, you know, I hate this term. Just move on. I mean, what am I going to do? Just sit there and like get stuck in the, the stuck in his death all the time and talk about it 30 years from now. Dave says, I have uh, Baron von Munchausen's by proxy. You ever see The Sixth Sense? That's the movie where um, Haley Joel Osment and Bruce Willis were in there and the kid could see, you know, I see dead people. Anyway, the, there's a part where the dead girl comes up to Haley Joel Osment or whatever the kid's name is and tells him where to find the videotape of the mom poisoning her. So, you know, and the mother was poisoning her so that she could make her own child sick and get sympathy and attention from people, right? And and he found it and he gave it to the to the dad during the funeral and he put it in and he saw what was going on and it was really weird. Well, Dave says that I'm sort of like that, that like I was like making my dog sick. And I know he was just sort of kidding. I swear to God, I've never made a dog ill. But I think it was his way of saying that because I tend to be hypochondriac, that I would just be hypervigilant about taking care of all my dogs. I would never do anything to make them sick. But just taking care of Arby just sort of took my life over and I would gladly do it again. I would do it for a Look, if I had to, every time I had to clean Arby and wipe his ass, and at the end when I had to dig his shit out with a gloved hand, yes, it was gloved, just FYI. I told Dave, I said, you know what? I said, you should be glad I'm doing this because you should look at this and you should say, you know what? If God forbid I ever get like this, Roberta's going to do this for me. I know that sounds weird, but it's true. You know, some people would just say, oh, this person's so sick. I'm just going to put him in a nursing home. No, I would take care of it. So after the carpets were cleaned, I just felt, I don't know. I guess I was glad that the carpets were clean. They look, I'm going, oh my God, they look great. They smell great. They're like new carpets. And then I got really upset that we cleaned the carpets where he had done all that stuff because I feel like I erased any memory of him. And every time I look at my bed in the morning, he used to, we used to have that whole thing splayed out with a tarp and then the blankets and it took up most of the master bedroom and now it's not there and it's so empty. But I'm never going to not love an animal again. I still believe that saying no matter how trite it becomes and how many times I say it or hear it or read it. Tis better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all.